Mm. Hey, I have been a Bronco fan for as long as I can remember. I was born in New Orleans, so I cheered for the Saints for a little while, but you got to remember, back in those days, there was no reason to cheer for the Saints. In 1969, my family moved to Colorado. We actually moved to Aspen. My dad was a pilot, worked for a guy that was developing Aspen at the time. Aspen was just still a sleepy little ski town. It wasn't the... um, wasn't quite the, the, the glitz and glamour place that it is today. It was just a small little town. We lived in Aspen for a couple of years as it was being developed. And um, early in uh, 1971, we moved down to Denver. And I played peewee football. And I remember at our banquet, they had a couple of the Broncos come to speak. And forever it made me a Bronco fan. For those who can remember back, the name Floyd Little. Does that ring a bell to anybody at all? A few of you are nodding your head. He was the running back. Number 44, the two things I remember at the banquet. Now, all the way back there, right? I'm seven years old. The first time I meet any Bronco, it's Floyd Little. Here's the two things I remember. He had the biggest shoulders and the most bowed legs of any person I'd ever met in my life. He was unbelievable. He took time to talk to me and just just really made the banquet special. And it sold my heart on the Broncos. And I suffered with that team, like many of us did for years and years and years. It seemed like I just traded uh, one heartbreak with the Saints for another with the Broncos. There was 76, and they played the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. But if you remember the outcome of that, it just seemed like, wow, they're just destined to sort of be a second place. And then John Elway. Do you remember how exciting that was, how incredible that was? Uh, In college, he had won a championship, and... Somehow, Edgar Kaiser, who owned the Broncos at the time, pulled off the most amazing trade and got John Elway here. And it took a few years, but man, finally, the Broncos really begin to rise to prominence. And I think Elway's coming out. I think his, 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 uh, his national debut, when everybody finally recognized that he was going to be the guy for the Broncos going into the future, uh, happened in the AFC Championship game in 1987. Almost 30 years ago, Uh, To the day, it just passed by on the 11th of January, the Broncos were playing the Cleveland Browns. And it seemed like during that time, the road to the Super Bowl was through Cleveland. Every time, we would be playing the Browns. Bernie Kosar was their quarterback. The dog pound was their fan base. It was a nasty place. If you're from Cleveland, forgive me, but the one place I would not want to live is Cleveland, (laughs) Ohio, man. It just always seemed like the weather was bad. The fans were worse. And the Broncos had to go there to try to make it to the Super Bowl. And it was in that game in 1987 that John Elway led the famous drive. Do you know what I'm talking about? Elway finds himself five minutes to go in the game, down by seven points. They've got to go 98 yards to make a touchdown to tie the game, to have any hope of overtime, to possibly win it to go to the Super Bowl. And it just seemed like it was Cleveland's day and not Denver. On the two-yard line, five minutes, hostile crowd, terrible weather, we had an obscure guard named Keith Bishop who walks into the huddle with a young quarterback, a team that's under the gun. They look at each other, and Bishop makes this famous statement to Elway and to his team, we got them right where we want them. (laughs) I am sure that everybody probably looked at him and thought, dude, did you get hit in the head? What happened to you? Are you okay? Those words, though, the very first story John Elway tells about how he pulled off that miraculous drive, 16 plays, 
98 yards. Mark Jackson catches a pass in the end zone. Denver ties it, and Rich Carlos kicks a field goal, and Denver goes to the Super Bowl for the first time with John Elway. When Elway is asked about that to this day, he still tells the story. What settled us down, what gave us faith, what allowed us to even believe we had a chance was Keith Bishop looking at everybody without cracking a smile and saying with belief, we got them right where we want them. Let's get this done. And he said, we just went out and got it done. The Bible is full of stories like that right there. Full of the odds being so great against the people of God that when you looked at it in the natural, you just said, there's no way. It's hostile people. It's terrible weather. The odds are too great. And some little obscure guy who's just got enough God in him that he looks at everybody and goes, we got it right where we want them, man. Let's go forward. This past week, staff had a really, a really interesting week. I just felt like wanted to lead our church, uh, but in particular, before you can lead others, you've got to lead yourself. And so I asked the staff, hey, look, let's gather for a week. Let's pray. Let's fast. I won't tell you what to fast. I was going to fast food. But I told my staff, maybe media is the thing that influences you more than anything else. And for some people, giving up media is harder than giving up food. So maybe you'd give up media. Uh, maybe, maybe it would be food. Maybe it would just be uh, time in the morning to get up and try to listen for the voice of the Lord. Maybe it would just be the activity of prayer. Maybe you'd set us cry, cry, apart some time to be able to go out and just pray, whether it's in your house or out in your neighborhood, wherever. And I just asked our staff to do it. So my staff, man, from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I didn't open the offices until noon. I just took all the mornings, gathered my whole staff, support staff, pastor staff, everybody together. We went to all the different campuses each day, and we just worshiped God, we fasted, we prayed. We prayed for our church, meaning we prayed for you. Gosh, you, you don't know prophetically what we spoke over your lives this week. Some of you are going to have the best six months you've ever had, and you'll be like, why am I so favored? Because God loves you. Because God is behind you. <laughs> Someday, I'm going to get you up here, and I'm going to sit right there. <laughs> and I'm going to wait, wait till you're at a point, and right then I'm going to go, yeah! <laughs> you're going to see how an electromagnetic shock takes everything out of your brain, and you're just like, where am I? It's a... <laughs> I love you, man. I just love you. <laughs> we just fasted and we prayed and we had such a great week. And during the week, we were talking about some of the stories in the Bible where this is so true, where the odds are great, where it looks like God, <laughs> if you don't come through, we're finished. And one of those stories is found in the book of Joshua. I'm going to read it to you here in just a second. I'll show you the similarities between the Broncos their situation, modern day, and the children of Israel, ancient days. But I want you to see the faith part that takes place because what I want to talk about today, our series is called Detox. I'm going to talk about detoxing from fear. But I don't want you just to stop being afraid. I want you to have a breakthrough in faith. It's not enough to just go, I'm not going to be afraid or be led by fear. Or I'm not going to spend my time in worry I heard somebody say one time, worry's like sitting in a rocking chair. There's a lot of commotion, but no forward motion. You just end up having activity. Faith is when you move forward in your life. And so as important as it is to stop something that's hurting us, it's more important to start doing things that help us. And faith is that issue right there. Let me set the story up real quickly. Uh, Joshua took over for Moses. 
Moses led the children of Israel from Egypt. They were slaves. You remember the story. God told Moses, hey, go to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. And through a series of events, the plagues, the judgments, Pharaoh finally lets the children of Israel go, representing the devil and sin, and God setting his people free from those things. Moses takes them out into the desert. All God wants, listen to this, it literally is no more than a month trip from Egypt to Israel. No more than a month, but it took them 40 years. And if you remember or know the story, it's because that generation did not believe God. They operated in fear every day. God just could not, no matter how much he wanted for them to have the promises of God, he was forced to have to wait till that generation got out of the way so the next generation could believe God and receive the promises of God. Moses, as powerful as he was, wasn't the person to take him in the promised land. He had a person that he had trained and spent time with, and his name was Joshua. When the children of Israel finally crossed the Jordan and they're getting ready to go into the promised land, here was God's instruction to them. I've given you every place you put your foot. It belongs to you. This is my inheritance for you and for the generations to come, and it's an eternal inheritance. I'll never change my mind about this. This belongs to you, but here's what you're going to have to do to get it. You're going to have to fight in order to hold on to the promises of God. The very first battle that they had was at a city. They come across the Jordan, and they come to Jericho. The city of Jericho was a walled city that had gates. Back in that day, that's how cities defended themselves. They would have huge walls surrounding the entire city and then gates that they could open to let people come in and go out. And when they wanted to protect themselves, they simply closed the gates and put iron bars behind them so that the gates couldn't be opened. God has told the children of Israel, go up against this city and take it. This is the first battle. It's the important battle. This is the one you've got to win. Now, you've got to imagine, these people just 40 years ago had been slaves. These are not soldiers. They're not skilled at warfare. They're really good at blowing trumpets. But what are you going to do? Toot somebody to death? I mean, how does that work to help you out? God puts them in a position to have to just simply trust him. And they come up against this fortified city. And we'll pick the story up right there. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. Israel had come to do battle. Jericho realized it, so their way to battle Israel was just simply, we'll outlast you. We've got food, we've got water, we've got protection. Let's see how long you last in the desert sun. So they closed the gates and they barred them and they just figured, we'll just wait till you go away. That statement is so important. The gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one could go out and no one was able to get in. Then the Lord says to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Now just stop for a minute and get the picture. Israel comes over the Jordan. They have no weapons. They're being told by God to take the city. They go to the city. It's totally defended. They can't even get inside. And God's statement to them is, see, I've given you this city. What would you look at that would make you think God had given you that city? <laughs> I, do you think that maybe Joshua turns to the people, okay, here we go. And someone's like, what are we going to do? Uh, yeah. We got them right where we, got them. we, we want them. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a little bit of faith, huh? Yes. To see this thing come through. 
you know the story. The Lord says to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with his king and his fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns, cardinal shofar, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing the trumpets really loud. When you hear the sound of a long blast, the last one, have the whole army give a loud shout. Because we know that shouting... Yeah. You know, the one time I call on you, the one time I'm like, now's the time, and where are you, my friend? Yeah. Uh-uh. I was studying the word. Oh, ah. I was just in the spirit, brother. I don't. <laughs> when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and everyone will go straight in and win this battle. Yes or no, man? That would be the equivalent of God saying to you, look, hostile territory. We're on the two-yard line. We got 98 yards to go. We got no time, and I've got them right where I want them. Somebody's got to have a little faith to believe that. So it's called Detox from Fear this weekend. The first one, there's really only two points. It'll be a quick message. I want to spend my time at the end setting up a breakthrough for you this week. The first one just simply is this. you got to have faith. It's my nod to George Michael, by the way. Okay, now you got to listen to me. <laughs> that song was in your ear. I can't have this conversation with you right now, man. You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. I just want you to think about this, this scripture for a minute. I want you to be honest about it. I want you to really see it for what it was. Um, what did Joshua see? God says, I've given them into your hand. But what did he actually, all he saw were walls and gates, locked up, closed up. He didn't see anything in the natural that would have made him believe that God had given them this city. What he saw probably was discouraging. What he saw probably was like, how am I going to tell the people that God has given us this city? What he saw probably to his natural mind made him think, we're in trouble now. We've come all this way. I've convinced all these people to follow me. We're standing in this place ready to go, and now this. Do you think maybe for one moment his mind was full of fear? We'll say this to you real quickly. Had he let that fear control his life right there, it might have been the demise of Israel. For sure, it would have been his demise as a leader. Fear is a horrible thing. When we tend to think of fear, we think of things that come in our lives. Ah, fear is not always that thing that makes us jump or that thing that comes in and shocks us. Fear can be a way of thinking about life that simply keeps us frozen from moving forward, trusting God, and going after the promises of God. Uh, I think when I was studying this week, maybe the clearest example I could give you of what a believer who lives in fear is like. A believer who lets fear run their life is acting like an orphan. Because what you really believe is that you don't have a father who's going to follow through on the promises that he gave you all through Scripture. There are more than 6,000 promises in the Bible for you. Promises for health, promises for peace, promises for prosperity, promises for your marriage, promises for your children, promises for your future... Listen to me for a moment. Promises individually, promises collectively, promises for yesterday, promises for today, promises for tomorrow, promises that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you, that he's always with you, promises that the devil can't win, 
Promises that you can do the impossible. Promises all through the Bible. And most people, man, say, yes, I want those promises. But so many end up falling so short of them. And I would say one of the greatest issues is that fear, one of the devil's greatest tools is fear. And fear cuts people off from being able to move forward into the things that God wants. It's like God sometimes puts us in positions where it's all closed up and it's all locked up and he'll tell you, see, we've got them right where we want them and you have a decision to make. Will I believe God or will I let what my eyes see dictate what I'm going to do? So you've got two issues here. You've got what Joshua saw. God even tells him, see? But then you've got what Joshua heard. And what you hear in the spirit can be far more important than what you see in the flesh. Did you just hear what I said? What you hear spiritually is far more important than what you see in the flesh. There are two principles at work here when it comes to detoxing from fear, from getting it out of your life, but not just stopping something negative, going to something positive, which is faith. Let me give you the two principles. Here's the first one. Faith comes by hearing. Faith generally doesn't come by what you see. Faith comes by what you hear. Paul writes to a church in Rome these really powerful words. So then, faith comes by, what's the word? Say it one more time. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. And a lot of people interpret that to mean that when you read the Bible, you get faith. And that is true. You can read the Bible and get faith, but that's not what that means. Word means spoken, not written. So here's what Paul is telling the people who love God. Faith comes when you hear God speak to you, not just what you see with your eyes. Faith comes by hearing the spoken word of God. Man, part of what our job as believers to do is to position ourselves to be hearing from God. God doesn't want you just to wake up in the morning, say a couple of quick prayers, and then go about your day and hope for the best. He doesn't want you just to kind of like, hey, God, I love you, and if you ever need to tell me something, here I am, but for the next 30 years, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. God every day wants to speak to you so that you have faith to conquer the things he's put in your life. He wants you to be able to come. He wants you to be able to grab hold of the promises. Man, he wants you to be able to do the things he's called you to do. Faith comes by hearing. This is important. Two principles. Faith comes by hearing the promises, the ones that God has for you, the ones I mentioned, over 6,000. How do we get those? Faith comes by hearing. The promises come by faith. Look at this. Therefore, the promises come by what? By faith. So faith you get when you hear God. And once you hear God, then you can obtain those promises when you operate in the faith that he's given you. Maybe this is a little confusing, so let me give you an illustration that will help you understand this. It's a little bit of a difficult story for me to tell. When the church had just started, within the first couple of years, man, we ran across a patch of time that was probably the most difficult in all the years I've pastored. We had three deaths of three key people that were just unexplainable. Of the three, the one that I'll talk about right now was a young girl who was 17 years old. Now, she wasn't just any girl in our church. Her family had moved here with us to help us start the church. Her mom and dad were our worship pastors. She was on a mission trip in Mexico, and a van blew a tire going down the highway, and the van flipped, and it killed two of the kids in the van. 
hurt several others. Some of them were our kids. Chris and I, on a Sunday night, were at a restaurant in Castle Rock with a couple. And I got a telephone call from the missionary that was leading the kids on the trip. It was unusual. I knew something was wrong. There was no reason for him to be calling me at nighttime. His name's David Blanchard. David gets on the phone, and he's trying to get the words together, and I can hear him struggle, and I know something is really wrong. And I finally just say, David, tell me what's going on. And he's choking back the words. I can hear the tears. I can hear the sobs. And I finally just said to him, David, how's Mallory? And he said, John Mallory's dead. Hung the phone up. We left dinner. We drove to that precious couple's house, and I had to break news to them that I don't think any human, you'd never forget. I think the first time I had to really be pastor of this church was right then. That's when I had to pastor, not just lead, but I had to care for somebody's soul in a really traumatic way. The next day, I flew to Mexico with her dad. We went to a morgue and claimed her body. And her mom had asked me this before I left. She said, John, do you believe God can do resurrections? I said, I do believe that. 100% I believe that. She said, would you pray for resurrection? And of course, in a rundown morgue in Mexico, laid hands on that little girl and prayed that her spirit would come back. God, we prayed. Prayed out loud, prayed fervently. Prayed without ceasing. God didn't do it. My faith could have gone two ways right then. This is going to be very relevant to you in just a second. My faith could have gone this way, which would have been, God, it seems like every time I pray for the miraculous, it never happens. I read these things in Scripture, but I can't seem to make them happen in my life. And now I'm really embarrassed because I'm trying them in front of everybody. You know what, God? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to have all these questions and just go off this way. Or I make this decision. God, I'm not sure that I understand what just happened. Maybe my brain's not smart enough. Maybe I just don't know what you want to do in this situation. Maybe heaven's better. But instead of giving up and instead of becoming bitter and instead of laying charges at your feet, God, I'm just going to stay in this position until I understand I'm just going to keep going forward in you. And it allowed me to move forward. Didn't give me an answer. Several years later, I was reading in Romans, faith comes by hearing. And I had this conversation with God where like the Holy Spirit was sitting right next to me just talking to me. And I asked him about Mallory. And this is what the Lord said to me. Did you hear me say I wanted a resurrector? And I had to say no. We just wanted a resurrection. And the Lord said faith. The faith to pray for the miraculous comes by hearing me say I want to do this. And then you obtain the promises. It's so easy for us just to automatically go, if I read it, I can have it. The promises are true. But faith comes by hearing God say it. God always wants you in a position of intimacy with him so you hear the promises for your life so you know what you're going after. It's presumptive of us to just go after things without hearing God tell us to do it. And that's what leads so many people to 
bankruptcy in their faith. That's when fear takes over. Because when you don't get what you're praying for, you begin to think that God isn't really a good father. And the devil takes advantage of that situation in your life. And this is really important. Faith comes by hearing. The taught word. Let me just say this for a minute. When I listen to a pastor, a teacher, an individual who has an anointing on their life where, man, when they're talking, it's like the Holy Spirit. I can hear God speak to me in a word sometimes. Have you ever had that experience? Can you hear it right now? That's what I'm talking about. It's when you hear the Holy Spirit speak to your spirit, you know that's a word from God. Walk in that thing right there. God, you can be in such a bad place in life sometimes, and you're just, you're a believer, you love God. God, you love me, I'm just going to go do the, you, God, here's what God wants from you. He wants you in that secret place with him. Because in the secret place, he tells secrets. And when you hear him whisper to you, you have faith then that can take a city that's all walled up, that can conquer a disease that cripples, that can overcome even death. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing is what allows you to believe, and that's how you obtain the promises of God. I've pastored over 30 years now. I know I don't look it. I look better now than I did 30 years ago, to be honest with you. 25 pounds less than four months ago. Feeling good. Good job. Thank you. I know what I just told you is difficult to receive. Don't think I don't know what I'm saying when I say it. It's calculated and it's put together. And sometimes my brain goes, people will have to have a leap of faith in order to receive this. And that's what I'm counting on, that you'll have a leap of faith. Not that you'll walk out of here afraid, because that's the very thing I don't want for you. But that you'll detox from fear, and you'll develop faith in your life, man. All right, so let me give you the second one. I want to talk about, real quickly, unconventional weapons. If you want to write that one in there. Weapons, unconventional weapons. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Paul um, kind of addresses the idea of how we do battle spiritually as believers. And so look at, look at this. Um, even though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't use guns and knives and fists. We don't use bombs We don't use physical things to wage war spiritually. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? Okay. God uses unconventional weapons to do the impossible. Um, One of those weapons is fasting. People look at fasting in our society today, and they see no use for it. There, there's, why in the world would we do that? They, they used to fast, Pastor, when they had bad food, but we've got McDonald's. I mean, why in the world wouldn't we? 
<laughs> let, let me just read off some of God's unconventional weapons. Blessing. Singing. Praying. Resisting. Resist the devil and he will flee, flee from you. Capturing thoughts. Anointing people with oil. Worship. All through the Bible. Paul and Silas in prison are singing praises, worshiping God, when an earthquake suddenly happens, breaks the jail right open, and now they have the chance to overcome. What were they doing? They used dynamite spiritually. We never think of prayer as an invisible violence to the devil. But when you pray, it's like two pair of fists that just beat the crud out of him. God uses prayer and fasting to help us switch our focus from fear to faith. When you're stuck in that place where you just can't overcome all the fear, it's just never going to work out. Pastor, good for you. Glad you're able to put it in some kind of context. Glad you've been able to do some things for God, but it just seems like it never works for me. Something, look, it's not enough to just think, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You've got to have faith in order to not be afraid. And what fasting and prayer does is it breaks that, that stronghold of fear in a person's life so that you're able to refocus yourself not on fear, but on what God said. In other words, it's not just what you see then that controls what you do, but it's what you hear that controls what you do. And when you don't know how to do that, that's where fasting and prayer come in. There have been so many times in my life where I've had to use unconventional weapons. I got this email this week. This is from a girl that goes to another church. Woman goes to another church. Uh, years and years ago, when she was a kid, when we first started, she went to our church. And when she got married and started having a family of her own, her husband and her ended up as pastors at another church. It was a small church that started in a school, and recently they got into their first building. And I hadn't heard from her in a long time. She wrote me this email, and I'm just talking about unconventional weapons. And here's what she had to say. Hi, Pastor John. Happy New Year. Hope your holidays are a blessing. I've been thinking about you a lot lady, lately and wanted uh, to share what's on my heart. Don't know if you're aware, but Freedom Fellowship just moved into JFC's old storefront building. To say everybody is excited is an understatement, especially after being in a school for five years. It's very small there, I remember. And there aren't any bells and whistles, I remember. But everybody feels so home there. It's been such a gift from God to us. Through the whole process of getting into this building, I had you in mind. I remember the story of how Jubilee occupied that building. I remember how you shared about prayer walking around the building at nighttime and actually having people blow trumpets. Here's what I did. The landlord told us no. At the time, Denver was the fastest growing, Douglas County, the fastest growing county in America. You couldn't find space. It was a church graveyard. Churches were planted and would die within six months. And God called us here to that place. And I'm like, God, do you sure that you know what you're doing? It wasn't enough to see it. I had to hear it. We started in a school and outgrew the school. And we're looking for some little place to make the first step. And at Broadway and 470, I found a building. A daycare had gone bankrupt in there, um, left the landlord holding the bag. I called the landlord, said, hey, we're interested in this space. He was like so excited. He said, what's your business? I said, a church. And he yells, no way. Not going to happen. He said, before the daycare was a church that went bankrupt, 
I'm $10,000 out because of those two businesses. Now, I didn't have $10,000, but here's what I told him. If I gave you $10,000, would you let us in the building? <laughs> kind of softened the guy. He thought about it. He didn't agree to do it right then, but in a couple of days, he called me back. He said, if you give me the $10,000, and you do the build-out, and you sign this, and we'll let you in there. God. It was like this huge thing in front of me. I don't know how we're going to do it. We didn't have the money to do it. God, what do we do? <laughs> so at nighttime, I would gather a group of people, and we'd go over there with oil, and we'd anoint every door, and we'd just call it ours. We'd march around that building. So it cover of darkness, so people, hey, look, I don't care if somebody thinks I'm weird, but I'm not trying to parade it in front of everybody. You know. <laughs> so we're out there at nighttime. I, <laughs> I brought in a group called the Israeli Celebration Dancers. And we threw this party at the building. And it got so crazy. They were out in the parking lot blowing the shofars all over the place. People were dancing. It was so loud. The cops come. <laughs> and I think the cops were like, it's a riot. It's, it's, we're going to have to shut the thing down. And a guy come, finds me. He says, what's going on here? I said, man, we're just claiming this place for God. And he's like, can you go back inside, please, and just <laughs> claim it inside? I'm like, well, we're trying to get inside. That's what's going on. <laughs> When I look back on all the things God did for us, it was never a straight line like, okay, we found this building, pay the money, move in, grout, grow, go. It zigzag. Dude, we had to fight so many battles. We had to have overcome so many. We had so many things that we shouldn't be here today. I'm going to tell you right now, every one of those took unconventional weapons. We did not have the weapons of writing a check. We had the weapons of prayer and praise and belief and anointing and blessing. And when I say those things right now, and I know some of you are saying, that's so weak. Oh my gosh. It is so powerful. Yes. It is so strong. It is so overcoming. It is so righteous. It is, it is so God. Amen. To, Matt, march around the city seven times. I put it in your hands. Guys, somebody has to have a lot of faith to do that. And then blow the trumpet. And then you'll drop fire from heaven, right? Nope. The walls will collapse. I've been to Jericho multiple times in my life. Archaeologically speaking, look it up. The walls of Jericho under the present city sit in rubble heaps that they cannot explain how it fell the way it fell. I can tell you exactly how. Three big angels pressed down on it right at the right time. Crushed them. When you do things God's way, the supernatural opens up to you. Here's what I'm praying for you. I'm not praying that you come to our church and get a little smarter about the Bible. I'm praying you have a spiritual breakthrough where you conquer the enemies in your life, where you shut the devil down, where you obtain the promises of God, and where you move out and do the things that God wants you to do in your life. Do you want that? Yes. Do you want it for your marriage, and do you want it for your own health, and do you want it for your children? Do you want it for your grandchildren? Do you want it for your church? Do you want it for your community? Yes. Ah, somebody needs to hear God saying to you, we got them right where we want them. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to fast and I want you to pray and I want you to shift your focus, not on what you see, but what you hear me saying. God is looking for someone to get in the secret place to hear him whisper the miraculous. This week, would you consider doing it? 
Would you fast a couple of meals? Would you give up a little media? Would you turn off social media for a few hours? Would you put your phone up for a little while? Don't just stop doing something. Here's the reason. When we stop these things, it's so that we turn towards God to hear him speak to us. Would you do it? Not just your pastors, would you do it? Would you consider right now, you don't have to be 30. I ran into a 13-year-old girl last night who told me, Pastor, I'm putting my phone up for the next five days. And that's the equivalent of like going a year without food for a 13-year-old, man. <laughs> what would you do? Friday's the 20th, and it's the inauguration of our president. I want you to hear me say this. Whether you voted for him, voted against him, or didn't vote at all because you couldn't find yourself going either way, I don't care. Here's what I want to say to you. If there was ever a time in this country that we needed the Holy Spirit to move and help heal our land, yes or no, it's right now. So I'm going to ask you, listen to me. If the church doesn't get that, who's going to get it? Washington? Hollywood? The media at large? If God's people don't get that we need God right now and we need to position ourselves to cry out to God. It's what the Bible says. If my people, called by my name, will humble themselves. That means to fast and pray. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. God, if there was ever a time for reconciliation, if there was ever a time for justice, if there was ever a time to have a hope beyond what we see just around us, to hear God say, I've got good things for you. Yes or no, folks? Yes. Yes, it's yes, now. Where are the people of God to rise up right now? And if you're just like, I can't see it, then I, you are so focused on fear. You need, to, you've got to overcome this stronghold. Fast and pray. Amen. I'm calling you to fast and pray. Amen. Let's move as a group of people towards the things of God. Not just for us personally, but even culturally, man, culturally. Father, I call out to you. I cry out to you. And as a group of people, Father, our hearts right now, Lord, we're in so many different places. Some are so hungry for this, and some right now are trying to hear for the very first time. And some, Lord God, are just like, Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. That may be more than what I'm capable of doing right now. Faith, people, faith, faith. Just ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And listen. Listen for God to speak right now. Listen for God to draw you. Listen for God to say to you, See, I've given this city into your hands. Faith comes by hearing. And the promises come when we get faith. I pray that the Lord this week would continue to open your eyes and open your heart and draw you to deeper things. I pray that we'd have a vision for more than survival, 
and more than the ordinary and more than normal, I pray that God would wake us up to the supernatural. That he plant deep things inside of us. Things that just by living life have died in us because we didn't see the answer to them. I'm asking that God would reawaken those things in your life this week by faith. And you'd obtain promises. I pray that you hear the voice of the Lord this week. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen, I've come up with something I want to help you with. Uh, twice a day this week, I want to send out um, just some encouragements. Things to, uh, to, to pray about, to be thinking about, to just get in your, in your mind this week. If you want to do this in any way, shape, or form with me and just use this, as, this week as a point just to be praying and fasting and looking for God to move. I just want to, I want to try to help you with that. So in the morning and in the evening, I want to send out a couple of things. And uh, Pastor Marcus is actually going to come and talk about how you can, um, you can get this uh, if you want it. So Marcus, do that for me.